This message comes to you from New Life Derby. It's my, my privilege, as Henry, Pastor Henry's already said, uh, to bring God's word and to share uh, really some lived experience, part of my testimony by way of, of my experience of loving community. And in doing so, I want to look at a scripture, one that uh, Pastor Blessing has already shared with us. I want to use that as a backdrop for where we go and see how we can be inspired to get some traction, to get some momentum as we move, as we transition as a church uh, into home churches. Because it's not just about the individual, it's about us collectively buying into it. And of course, this is building and shared through this new, um, this current series, should I say, on uh, Love Expressed. We want to express love. So that is where we're going. So let me, let me uh, firstly just read um, from the Bible. It's a good place to start. Um, John chapter 4, verses 4 to 26. We'll look at that. In fact, I'm going to read from verse 3, an interesting story where Jesus encounters a lady. It says this in verse 3, so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So Jesus was on the way somewhere. He chose a route, a particular route. Now he had to go through Sychar, through Samaria. So he came to the town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot where Jacob had given given to his son. So he's deliberately choosing a route. There are three routes he could have chosen, but he's chosen one where he could collide, meet with somebody that was different, which is interesting. Verse 7, we'll skip a little bit, says this, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to, to her, will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? He did the un, unspeakable, really. He asked. He asked. And I want us to just bear that in mind. The story continues. It goes to verse 9. It says, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews and do not associate with Samaritans. Can you see? Jesus doesn't see the barrier. He sees the opportunity. And this is part of what we need to grasp as well. And we'll say a little bit more about that. Again, interestingly, verses 10 to 15, Jesus says this in verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Actually, it goes on to verse 15, but from verses 10 to 15, people often, don't they, they talk about religion. They talk about the things that divide. They want to talk about when you're, when you're sharing your faith, when you're being who you are, people want to talk about the barriers. And actually, we need to move our conversations, not of, not of the things that separate us, but the things that uh, bind us together. Okay, verse 16 to 18 says this. He told her to go call your husband and come back. She says, I have no husband's. She replied, Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husbands. The fact is that you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. What an interesting verse. Jesus said, Jesus can see something different about her. He doesn't just see the the natural. He sees, he reads her heart. Throughout scripture, we know the Bible says Jesus knew what they were thinking in their heart. There's a discernment going on here. There's a discernment. People often want to chat about that which divides, but God brings us together. And an interesting story. We'll come back to that. Verse 26. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. I, the one speaking to you, am he. 
Jesus was prepared to be misunderstood. And you know, we need to surprise people by telling them who we are. We need to be aware of who we are. And I want to say a little bit more about that as we get into this. I think we all know that the Bible says, 1 John 4 verse 8 says that God describes himself as love. That's his nature. These couple of things that are really important if we're going to love our communities to grasp. God says he is love. He says he is love. Whoever does not know God does not love because God is love. Another important thing we have to grasp as we go on this journey is that God also describes himself as, as father. And there are numerous scriptures and throughout the Old Testament, but we remember the prayer, don't we? You know, Jesus says to his disciples, uh, Matthew 6 verse 9, uh, you should, this then is how you should pray, our father. It's really, really important that we understand that we are loved. It's really, really important that we understand that we are fathered. Because there is a spirit today that declares to people that they're orphans. There's an orphan spirit that we are fatherless. That we as a nation have to make known. And that's the lie. That God is not our father. And of course, if God is love, if God is father, then we are children. We are positioned as children. He calls us his children. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are in Christ. Ephesians 1 and 2, and look at those verses. In Christ. We need to know where we are positioned if we are going to be moving out with this expression of God's love. I love these verses in um, 1 Corinthians 5, or 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 to 15, it says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for him who died for them and was raised again. How cool is that? How cool is that? Christ's love that love of Christ compels us, and we want to express that. You know, obviously Kerry was here last week, and I have to say something about her, of course. When Kerry and I first started courting, you know, it was easy for me to express love, to, to, to make her a cup of tea. And it was obvious when she, we first started going out that she would go around everywhere telling people, there was a security, Roger's my boyfriend. Obviously, she was, you know, you can tell she's still excited now. And, and that expression of love, it wasn't hard for her. She was positioned, there wasn't that insecurity in our relationship. There was that expression of love. And when you're secure in love, you can, you can make somebody a cup of tea. Although she does need it intravenously because she has so much, but that's another story. That love needs to come out. We're commissioned. We're commissioned to do that, aren't we? As a church, Matthew 28 verses 19 to, 19, 19 to 20, we're commissioned to go out and give birth. A father's love that's in us wants to be expressed it wants to be made known. It, you know, it doesn't keep, it's expressed with children. I have the privilege of saying today that yesterday my grandson was born. My grandson, how cool was that? And um, I have two other grandchildren with my son, but my daughter uh, gave birth to Ezra, Kairos, James, Skeets. 
Ezra Kairos James Skeet. So I have a new grandson and my, my daughter Emily giving birth. And I feel like a, a, a proper granddad now. I feel something, I feel like a proper adult actually now that my little girl has had a child. And uh, isn't it, we give birth to others and God wants the, that continuance through us. God wants that continuance through us. But we know, don't we? And we, just by way of introduction as well, we recognise that God who loved us had to separate himself from us. Genesis talks about, and if you're new to church or don't understand church, it's the sin that separated us. In Genesis, it speaks about about God having to create a gap, a separation because of our sin. God who is loved could not be contaminated by sin. So he separates himself from mankind. And from that moment, he's been trying to engage. He's been trying to get back and to have that relationship with mankind, with his children. I can't wait to hug my little grandson. And there's that intimacy. You want to be with them. Here's a thought. Many of you, whether you go to church or not, will know this verse. John 3, 16. Says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's that eternal life with God. So God so loved the world that he kept himself to himself. No, it doesn't say that, does it? So God so loved the world that he gave himself, like I would give and do for my wife. God so loved the world, he did what he is. He shared. God so loved the world. Here's a thought. How big is your world? How big is your world? I know that many of our worlds have shrunk because of COVID and we're seeing less people. We can't even show our smiles and express our love. But the question remains, how big is your love? We need to solve the gap problem. Jesus didn't just come to, he was big enough to not just fill the gap. He was bigger than the gap. He bridged the gap. He bridges the gap between mankind and his creator. He solves the problem of sin. And I think, I want to use that metaphor. I want to use that analogy of a bridge. He comes and the cross itself, that which separated mankind from a living God, actually brings back, it makes a way. He is that way maker. His reckless love enables us to connect with him again. So let's have a look. Let's have a think about bridges, shall we? Let's think about bridges. Let's think about how we can, and what do they mean? What, what is the purpose of bridges? As we, as we engage in uh, uh, touching our communities, bridges expand our world. They make our world bigger. They connect people and places. They create relationships. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For God is, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. John 14 verse 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How big is your world? John 10 6 says, Romans 10 verse 6 says, isn't this all of our story? Okay, Jesus is the way maker. It is not about doing, it is about what has been done. Confess with your heart and believe but confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That's what we did. We bridged the gap to become a Christian. We opened our mouth. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you'll be saved. You'll come into that eternal relationship. It's not about doing. It's about confessing and believing in your, confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. 
And that bridge within us to God is, is, is established. So I'm saying this because it's an opportunity today and we'll give you opportunity in a moment to actually say yes to God. We'll give you opportunity to express your love, your yes to God. And we, the church, have been reaching out to our communities. But we have to find new ways. We're living in a world we've not lived in before. Our children are experiencing things that we've not experienced. So even somebody in their 50s like me, I know you can't tell that, but has to relearn and be re-educated. And I want to say more about that. Scripture declares, Isaiah 40 verse 3, Make a way in the desert. Make the crooked path straight. We need to build bridges. Jesus bridged the gap. God the Father dealing with sin. We must bridge the gap. Let's go back to our story in the time that's remaining to me. I want to, as I've said, share something of testimony, something of, of, yes, it can work. Yes, you can do it. I want to uh, encourage you. Building bridges needs to be intentional, needs to be about partnerships. We need to reach nations. We need to reach generations. We need to disciple our communities. There's lots of stuff we need to do, but we can do that in natural ways. By way of testimony, I remember we started a community allotment. It enabled people to come together. I knew nothing and still don't know that much about growing stuff. But it was beautiful because we had schools. We had the youth detention centre. We had um, local people who were from different nationalities who weren't legally allowed to work, all gathered in one place. The, the allotment created partnerships and uh, gathered nations. When it comes to generations, we need generations, we need families. The schools, people are passionate, the schools in our community. I remember we started, I was a, a governor of a school for 10 years, and I, I started, we started a school in the Philippines, and we connected that school to our local school. We as churches could, uh, could actually tie our ministries to, to schools, and they'd study those nations at their, in their lessons. There's so much more we can do. We can position ourselves in the lives of families. As a church, we can do those things. We need to disciple our community uh, and do things that actually bring them together, that break down the barriers. I remember, remember another thing we did was we, we created this thing called Sports Challenge. And, and I just ended up having loads of medals from a factory that had burnt down. And there were loads of medals. And so I created my own logo. Um, it said, challenged and encouraged to build character. And we just got a sports hall and did loads of things. We had people from all different faiths. And just gathering to do like an it's a knockout kind of thing. And children and young people were gathered there. I enticed them into coming by saying to all the young people in the area that I could outrun them. So all the youth, were, all the lads came, all the so-called um, troublemakers came to that event intentionally because they wanted to beat me at a race. I just used what I was good at. I'm not so fast now, by the way. The reality is we can just use what we have. To build partnerships. So let me share four things about those bridges. We can build bridges to remove barriers. Give people a reason, an opportunity to speak with you, to get to know you, and for you to get to know them. Make your world bigger. Do something you don't usually do. Maybe don't nip to the shop in your car. Walk. Maybe take your bin out the same time somebody else is. Be intentional. If you're going to build bridges, then we need to remove barriers. What are the barriers that you might need to remove? 
Build bridges, building bridges, number two, means creating relational connections. This is a massive thing. We're very quick, church, to say that we love people. But, and this is something that people struggled with. Jesus, in that story, people always came to Jesus. People from all walks of life came to him. We need to be relational, create relational connections. Jesus was, and here we go, friendly. Friendly. You know, none of us are as friendly as we think we are. None of us are as friendly as we think we are. How friendly are you? You say, well, Roger, I'm quite friendly. Let me ask you, how many people, how many of your neighbours' phone numbers do you have in your phone? Let me ask you, you've lived there where you've lived, and how many of us know the names of our neighbours? I think her name's Sheila and his name's Fred. I I don't know. And we live next to people for 10, 20 years. Church, if we're going to do this thing called express God's love and open our world and build bridges, we need to find out people's names. We need to, I mean, that's a good start. That's a good start. Build relational connections. Something that's key at the church, if we're going to do this as home churches, is vital. As I've already said, we need to be generational. Listen, I need help to do anything apart from reading texts on, text messages on my phone. We need, the, we need generations. We need the young people. We need to engage and get a young person involved with whatever you're doing. Get somebody in there, maybe in their 12 to, to 22s, 12 to 30s. I, I get some, some, the other generations. We need to connect to the younger generation. It's their lived experience too. And that together breaks that barrier. We need to work together. I need to hear what young people have got to say. I'm excited. We have so many amazing young people and we need to own them, pray for them, take responsibility for them, people my age. Because listen, it's not about you. (laughs) It's about the next generation. We read in scripture, God the Father declares himself the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's always been generational and so must we. Let's build those generational bridges. The third area is build bridges, building bridges. And this is one we see in this story. And this is really tricky for many of us. And you say, it's easy for you, Roger. But we need to open our mouths. Open our mouths. Jesus asked this woman. She asked her something. She, uh, he, she, he spoke to her. He wasn't supposed to speak to her. How, how dare he speak to her? Can I, can I encourage you to open your mouth? I remember we, we, we used to go into Nottingham on a Saturday afternoon or on a Friday night and do the drama. You can imagine me doing that and the sketches and everything. And I, There's no way we weren't connecting with people. And then I really felt God drop into my spirit. Well, why don't you do this? And we started to do this particular thing. And we did it in the afternoon as well, on Saturday afternoons. And we had, rather than putting people off in their daily activities, people were queuing up to come to us. In the, on a Saturday afternoon, I could honestly say we could have 15, 20 people waiting to come to me because we were asking them something and we were asking them if they wanted their shoes shining. That was it. We were just shining shoes. We set up there professionally and cleaned people's shoes in the middle of the market square. We could do that. These are ways of just asking people, connecting with people. Building bridges, of course, means it just means standing in the gap. 
And many of us are praying fervently, and the prayer in this house is amazing. And standing in the gap is that intercessory prayer. It is that owning. I don't know about you, but I carry a burden. I'm carrying a burden this week for my neighbor. I know one of my neighbors is is suffering from depression, and her husband's told me how it's affecting him. I don't know about you, but I'm carrying those things, and I'm trying to build bridges. I want to drop off a, a, a drink for them and a box of chocolates. I'm praying for them. I'm aware of the needs around me on my street. We need to intercede and stand in the gap. So keep doing that. Verse 39 in the story is quite interesting. We didn't read it. In John 4 verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Hey, church, let's share our testimony. Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. We need to declare who we are. I am a child of the living God. I've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. The sky is bluer. I'm in love. I I know God. You know God. We know God. It's not something to be hidden. It's our testimony. It's our story. And when people hear it, it connects them with God. And we know the story goes on. He says, it talks about many of the other believers. and Many of the people came along and they said, we no longer believe just because of what you said, but because... But it is because of what you said. There was a bridge built. Listen, Christian, if you have never led somebody to Christ, I want you to become uncomfortable. Because we're not just chains, links in a chain. We are the bridges that help people. You're the only Bible some people will ever read. Acts of kindness. Show kindness. My neighbours moved in and the first thing I did was I spent four hours cutting their hedge that was all over the place with them. Had the tools bang in there, four hours. No strings attached. I didn't say Jesus loves you, but I showed it. You say, Roger, why are you sharing that? What, what difference does that make? Let me tell you, just by being kind, by applying these things, by opening our mouths, doing these things does. It, it really helps. So on my cul-de-sac, people share each other's driveways. They put kisses, men put kisses on the, on, the, on the WhatsApp group. Putting kisses and hearts, that's men. I think that's a big deal. We receive each other's parcels. A lot of us can do that and do that. We have keys to each other's homes. This is just within two years. We feed each other's pets when they go away. This is really practical stuff. This is building bridges. We have a Zoom quiz nights. We have sports uh, events where we'll go and play badminton together or we'll do uh, uh, games in our, in our cul-de-sac. We do this. We say hello. I mean, you know, I've got to get to work. I, might, I haven't got time to be thinking about anybody else. We go on bike rides regularly. We go for walks. We welcome each other, new people with bags of food. This isn't... This isn't These aren't church people. This is what everybody does. We have each other's phone numbers and they have ours. We loan each other's tools. We take each other's bins out and in. Is that practical enough for you? Church, I believe in big projects, but we see Jesus on his own without his disciples just connecting. Just saying hello. Just being friendly. We're not as friendly as we think we are. The fourth area, forgive me. Building bridges means solving problems. What problems can I solve naturally? It means solving problems, meeting natural needs, make life people's lives easier. 
Choose the things that you've got. Use what you have. If you're brilliant at knitting, then start doing that. Knit for somebody. Use your, if, if whatever your personality lends itself. If everybody in the group is good at, likes doing exercise, then invite others. So I encourage you, as part of the application, I think I've said that already, but let's start to get people's names. Let's start partnerships. Let's be friendly. Whose phone number do you have? Let's be generational. Let's involve young people. Let's solve problems. What is at your disposal right now? You know, when people build bridges, they start on both sides. They lay the foundation first. That's what they do. Saves time and money. A friend, engineer friend of mine was telling me. And we need to grasp how we can build bridges. We need to see, lay some foundations. What foundations do you need to lay? Is it that hello? Because people want to know your story. Like this woman at the well. They want it to know what is it about you that makes you different. And the words of knowledge and insight come there. I remember talking to somebody and he was arguing and arguing. And I said to him, you've got a problem with your big toe. He said, how do you know that? God will give us insight. He will give us insight. That's where the words of knowledge and the insight and the discernment comes. I want to end simply by encouraging you to plant your seed in your community, on your street. Don't bury it. I want to encourage you that God, who began a great work in you, wants to make his word known and your world bigger. His reckless love is running after you. Let's express love in our community. Let's keep going. Father, I thank you. I thank you for everyone listening today. I thank you for those who feel like the woman at the well, who feel that they've searched for love in so many places. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that we would begin to be friendly to them. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be proactive, to be a giver. God so loved the world that he gave. And Father, as we share your reckless love, I pray even now for those at home, that particular people who feel that they've been searching for love and haven't found it, that they would say yes to you. And I want to encourage you in the name of Jesus, those of you who are sitting at home who have never done it before, to begin your journey by saying yes to God. By saying yes to God. Thank you. For more information, please visit newlifederby.org.uk.